The Lifestylist, episode 87, featuring Ellie Burrows. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Uh, And here we are once again, we've come full circle, reunited with your old pal Luke for another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I miss you guys, man. A week is a long time to go without dropping an episode. So I want to thank you for coming back. If it's your first time here, welcome to the club. There will be no bottle service. What there will be, however, is a very enlightening conversation with Ellie Burroughs from Mindful Meditation in Manhattan. I got to sit down with her in the most beautiful studio. It's a really cool place I discovered when I was in New York recently on a trip. I was out there with School of Style, my other gig teaching people how to get their groove on in the fashion industry. And rather than taking days off from these 10-hour days I do teaching fashion, like a maniac or maybe a dedicated podcaster, I decided to do a series of interviews with some fantastic people that I found out there, of which Ellie is no exception. So I did four interviews. Three of them are actually coming out in a row for the next three weeks. And then Desiree Pace comes out in a few weeks, who was the fourth. I just didn't want to have too many episodes about the same kind of stuff in a row. But it's kind of my little New York tour, New York series. I'm going to be going back out there shortly in September and doing a bunch more. So it's really fun to go out there and kind of touch base with people that are conscious and doing cool stuff in New York City. Uh, because there's a lot going on out there. It's really exciting. It's uh, That city's having an awakening right now, man. It's really cool to witness and, and also to be able to partake in and just meet some of the players in that game out there. Okay, so what I talk about with Ellie as we sit down in her beautiful studio in New York City is how she left her career in film to pursue her spiritual path. She, kind of like me, was doing her thing and then decided, you know what, er, I'm doing a 180 and going in a different direction, which is really inspiring. And then the journey of how her business mindful meditation came to be and how she learned to connect consciousness to her career, which is something I'm obviously very interested in. The current state of affairs in New York City's spiritual community and how the positive effects of meditation really start to attract more and more people all the time. Like what effect are these sound baths and yoga studios and meditation studios actually having on the city and on the consciousness there? And we find that it's actually making a really big difference. It's cool stuff. And then the importance of rebranding spiritually centered businesses to appeal to a more broad audience, which is something that's becoming more common. I mean, not just in spiritual circles, but in health and wellness in general is the branding and, and you know, in this case, mindful, like the space is so well thought out and beautiful and cool. It's aesthetically very pleasing. And being someone that comes from the fashion industry, I really appreciate that. When I first got in the health scene, you know, years ago, every website, every logo on like vitamin bottles, everything was really tacky and weird looking and all spiritual stuff. When I got into it, it was really new age and bizarre looking and like no one would ever take it seriously. It lacked that sort of sexy appeal. And so we talked a lot about the intentionality of the branding when it came to starting her business, which I thought was pretty cool. And then really, what are the benefits of meditation and the consequences of losing your practice? Facing the reality that being spiritually committed is anything but stardust and moonbeams, y'all. It gets uncomfortable. It gets rough. And uh, Ellie's life has been no exception. The importance of facing your demons and walking through the many dark nights of the soul that you can expect on the spiritual path. And then she gives us two of her most powerful tools for overcoming emotional pain. And it's not going to be what you think. It's not cigarettes and ice cream. <laughs> it has to do with facing it and walking through that shit. Really great conversation. I can't wait to get back out to New York City and talk to her again. This was a shorter interview, and I know she had much more to say, but we were limited on time for a few different reasons. So it's with great joy that I bring you this episode with Ellie. And uh, I want to invite you back next week for another New York City interview, number 88, with my friend Nate Martinez, where we talk about the power of sound and music in healing. 
So the healing powers of sound baths and music and all this stuff. I've never really done an episode on sound. I've gotten a few requests for that over the past year. And so I, of course, am here to deliver. So you don't want to miss that next Tuesday with Nate Martinez. You know how to not miss it, right? You just click subscribe on your podcast app or iTunes, whatever it is that you're listening to my voice on. And that way it's automatically downloaded. I'm like a goddamn broken record here, folks. Every week I got to tell you to subscribe so you don't miss anything. There's really good stuff and I'm working really hard to bring you the best guests. So I want to make sure that you get every episode that I put out. And more than anything, of course, as always, I just want to thank you for listening. Hey, and just for shits and giggles, why don't you follow me on Instagram? I'm starting to put a lot of time and energy into my little Instagram stories. So something you'll find that's pretty cool. And uh, actually, when I recorded with Ellie over at Mindful, I did this. I ran an Instagram live of the interview. And I just did that actually a couple days ago, too, with JP Sears, you know, the ultra spiritual guy. Hasn't come out yet, be out in a couple weeks, but I was able to actually record an Instagram live of my Skype interview with him, which I I didn't think I could do, but I kind of figured out a way to do it. And I'm also just giving a lot of personal tips on biohacking and just spiritual practices and all kinds of stuff on Instagram. So follow me over there and say what's up. I'm having a really good time connecting with listeners and fans over there. So it's at Luke Story on Instagram. That, of course, is L-U-K-E-S-T-O-R-E-Y. Enjoy the episode. Uh, My lovely listener, listen up. I've got an exciting announcement for you. I'm going to be hosting an event at the Soho House in West Hollywood on August 30th. And you, my friend, are invited. It's a free event. I'm going to be presenting my Mind, Body, and Spirit Solution program. Same one I just did a couple weeks ago in New York City. It was a huge hit. Tons of listeners came down and chilled. I had a blast. They had a blast. It was epic. I'm going to do it again in L.A. on Wednesday, August 30th at 10 a.m. at the Soho House in West Hollywood. Here's the deal, though. If you want to come, it's free. It's all good. But you have to RSVP quick because legit, I only have a few spots available on my guest list. It's a free event. This list that I'm going to put you on, if you make it in time, is like the list that my friends would go on. But you're a listener to the show, so I'm dissing my friends. I'm going to put you on that list so you can come hang out because I want to meet you because I haven't met you yet. I've met all my friends. I see their asses all the time. So here's what you have to do. You got to go to lukestory.com forward slash contact and just shoot me an email on the contact page that says RSVP Hollywood. If you make it in time, I'm going to email you back the details for the event on the 30th. If you don't hear back, no offense, it just means it already filled up. So that's Luke's Talk at the Soho House West Hollywood, uh, Wednesday, August 30th at 10 a.m. Go to lukestory.com forward slash contact. Shoot me an email that says you want to come and I'll do my best to get you in. Okay, and if you miss it, I will see you on the next one. Thanks. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at earthrunners.com. If you follow me on social media, if you know me, you know that 95% of the time I'm not wearing traditional shoes because they suck and they're really bad for your body and for your feet. So I'm always wearing my earthrunners, whether I'm trail running, hiking, going to the beach, flying on an airplane, or even going to a party in Hollywood. Because unlike most minimal footwear, earthrunners actually look really dope. They have a great design. So they improve your biomechanics, the way that you walk, because Essentially, you're born to walk barefoot, and earth runners give you that ability without getting your feet dirty and gross and getting kicked out of restaurants. But what's even cooler about earth runners is that they're grounded. They have conductive thread in the straps and a copper plug on the bottom that keeps you electronically grounded to Mother Earth. It's fantastic. So good for you on so many levels. So if you want to check out earth runners, go to earthrunners.com and enter the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your order. So go to earthrunners.com. Enter the code LUKE10 and your life will be forever changed for the better. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. I discovered this product a few months ago and it has changed the game for me. Everybody knows that green juice is good for you, right? Here's the deal though. Couple disadvantages to your average cold pressed green juice. A, a lot of times it comes in plastic, not good. B, it's usually loaded with sugar up to 25 grams, which is basically like drinking a green Coca-Cola. Not happening. Next is they go bad. You can't leave it sitting out and they're really bad for travel. So I love my green juice. That's cool. Cold press. I get the sugar-free ones. I'm into it. But Organifi makes a green powdered superfood that comes in these little packets that are portable and you can take with you. So I keep them in my car and in my bag and on demand. Anytime I have a bottle of water, I can pour one of these in there and have an instant green juice. Alkalizing, energizing, gives you mental clarity. It's fantastic. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. A lot of the green powders 
not only taste gross and are overpriced, but they'll have like 200 ingredients. And I'm always thinking, how much of each ingredient is actually in there, okay? These 11 superfoods are the important ones that you need, like turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, and coconut water. And it's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's got a zero glycemic index. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to check this drink out, work on your health in a way that actually tastes good and is super convenient, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com, that's with an I, Organifi, Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off your order. You guys know I always give you a hookup if I'm going to tell you about something cool that I discovered. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20%. It's really good stuff. Ellie Burroughs is the Chief Executive Officer of Mindful, as well as a certified personal development coach and writer. After graduating magna cum laude from Northwestern University, Ellie served as an executive in the film business for a number of years, focusing on the business side of film, producing, selling, financing, and finding new talent. When her meetings began to evolve into coaching sessions around effective communication and interpersonal relationships, she chose to pursue mindfulness in a more meaningful way. Ellie decided to travel the world as a spiritual tourist, ultimately returning to New York City, where she received her certificate in coaching from NYU. Shortly thereafter, she hatched the idea for Mindful with her co-founder and friend, Lodro Rinsler. Ellie is a blogger at Huffington Post, Chalkboard Mag, The Numinous, Mind Body Green, and Medium. All of her work has a common thread, the use of ancient teachings in a contemporary context to inspire compassion, confidence, and consciousness in a highly digitized world. Ellie currently lives in New York City and the universe at large. So Ellie Burroughs, welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast. Thanks for having me, Luke. Yeah, it's great to be, to be here, here in your space, mindful. So listeners, we were just talking about how important meditation is because I showed up and I was like missing a crucial cable to make this recording possible. And we're like Googling radio shacks mm -hmm. to try and find something around the corner. And um, we did find something, but this is going to be a shorter episode just for the fact that we're started considerably late. So we're going to dig right into it. So great. We're here in your space, Mindful. Mm -hmm. I came here the other day um, on a recommendation from the girls at Cat Beauty because mm -hmm. they were on my show and they kind of told me all women. the, mm -hmm. yeah, they're amazing. They told me all the hot spots, you know, for consciousness in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually really excited because there's so many cool things going on here. It's like this little urban hippie mecca now. So I came <laughs> here the other day and I think the title of the class was just like a mantra meditation or something. Yeah, Mindful came Mantra. In. Mindful mantra, and I was expecting like a Vedic kind of mantra where you just sort of guide it and then you mm -hmm. do your own thing, and it ended up being like a Kundalini, Kundalini class with Valerie. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yes, this is so rad. And Valerie was a great teacher, yeah, and uh, she's wonderful. Yeah, and then um, so I had a chat with her. So I'm just I'm having like the best time exploring the city, and there just seems to be all these great yoga centers and meditation centers and stuff. So thank you for helping to contribute what you're bringing here. Yeah. So. Before we get into that, because I want to talk about just how this great space came to be and your, your other locations and your city domination that you're doing, um, <laughs> how did you get into spiritual pursuit in the first place yourself? Yeah, so when I was about six years old, I remember being the kid who begged my parents to take me to crystal stores and absolutely loved going to Hebrew school. And my parents weren't particularly new age, so it was entirely self-directed. I remember at eight trying to read my aunt's mind, like what color she was picturing. And I was just, as a child, I was really interested in the things um, you couldn't see. And I think in the 80s, so that was the decade I was born in, they used to call them indigo children, which is like an entire unscientific term, um, but it was, I think, a term for children who are really spiritually curious. Flash forward, you know, 16 years old into college, you know, your priorities change. You're trying to get good grades. You're trying to go to college. You're falling in love for the first time. You're feeling your hormones. So all my priorities were sort of shifted at that moment in my life. And then I grew up in a family in the entertainment business in LA. And I assumed that the same joy that they derived from their work was awaiting me. So I went into film school sort of on autopilot, assuming that that's what I was going to do for my life. And once I graduated and I ended up in New York City in independent film, I think I started in the William Morris mailroom and ended up working at a film financing and sales firm as an executive. You know, I 
realized that all my free time was spent in spiritual pursuit that wasn't at a film desk. So I got hooked up in 2008 with um, Dr. Frank Lippman, who's an incredible functional medicine doctor here in New York City. He's very East meets West. And his office sort of blew open the door on my adult spirituality. I met so many humans through that space, not unlike how you came to me through Cat Beauty, you know, in, in the New York space of people who were teachers, healers, um, guides of all kinds. And I sort of started playing with that. And about seven years ago, I started struggling with mindfulness meditation. I came to the breath through a practice called ecstatic breath work. Um, But that's not exactly the kind of thing you want to do when you're working all day, sending emails or driving a car. You know, you want something that's a little more seamless for everyday life. So that's how I discovered mindfulness meditation. I was really, really struggling with it on and off um, for about five years. And then in 2013, um, I quit my job. I remember listening to the way my colleagues would talk about film. And I said to myself, I want to feel that way about what I do. And the only thing I feel that way about is consciousness. But that's not really a job. So I need some time to figure out how I'm going to... I'm like finding... I'm trying so hard to shut up right now because I'm finding so, so many parallel points along the way. Yeah, Carry on. yeah. I, so, I totally get it. So yeah. So I, I mean, I, just, I was feeling all this kind of envy around the passion of, of my colleagues. And I was like, I want that for myself, but the only thing I feel that way about is not something that's considered a, you know, traditional career or a profession even for that matter. So like I said, I quit in 2013 and um, I went around the world as a spiritual tourist. And I say that because I picked destinations that were the seats of traditions that I was interested in exploring or curious about. And then I came back to New York and my bosses and mentors were like, oh, you're so great. You're the office therapist. You should totally help people. So I was like, great, I'll go to coaching school. That seems sort of like a low hanging fruit. It's not the five-year slog of clinical psychology. So I did that. I did a little bit of writing. And then I also started volunteering for Lodra Rensler, my co-founder of Mindful. And Lodra had a nonprofit teaching millennials meditation and mindfulness. And I was volunteering, helping him find students for this program. And then he would take those students and put them back in the workforce with a coach or a mentor. One day, I remember I was sitting in my home and I had a beautiful altar and a cushion. And I was like, I'd rather wash my dishes. I'd rather clean my closet. I'd rather write. I'd rather do anything other than meditate. So what do I not have this problem with? What do I show up for six days a week? And I thought about my workout and I was like, oh, that's a place I can go where I can have my spot. A teacher's inspiring. I get excited to like book it on my calendar. I want that around my meditation practice. I want that accountability structure around my practice. So I asked Lodra for tea and told him I was really struggling. And I asked him why there wasn't somewhere I could go in the city. Um, where I could, you know, really deepen my practice that wasn't necessarily a religion. So I wasn't running all over the city, meeting all these different teachers that brought them under one roof in a pan-traditional studio. And Lodra said it's only a matter of time before they're on every corner. And I said, I feel like we could do that together. So here we are. That's so... Almost exactly three years later from that conversation. That's so great. I mean, I remember coming here, I guess I started coming here with my school probably eight years ago or something. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even find like organic food. You know exactly. what I mean? It was like, it was intense. I mean, like there was a, you know, a few yoga studios kind of tucked yeah. away. There was like the gym type of mm-hmm. yoga that I wasn't really that into pursuing, mm-hmm. like exercise yoga, yeah. nothing against it, but it wasn't my thing. And then I found like integral yoga over in the West Village and a couple of little spots, uh, Jiva Mukti. Yeah. So there were spots that had been around for some time and, you know, were like more my speed, but there definitely weren't like meditation spots or spots that you could dip in and escape from the city. And I remember coming here, having lived for 20 something years at that point in LA going like, how do people survive here? Cause you don't have any reprieve. It's like, once you hit the streets mm-hmm. of Manhattan, it's like, you just get, it's just, you're in the grind. There's just nowhere to go. There's a little park here and there, but there's still yeah. horns and sirens and just chaos, you mm-hmm. know? So it's been so fun to come here this time and see, things like this, where it's like, wow, I mean, I totally forget that I'm even in the middle of New York City. We get that a lot. When people sort of cross the threshold, they'll be like, whoa, what is this place? 
Um, they'll also, you know, say, yes, I don't feel like I'm in New York city or, Oh, I feel like I'm in a friend's home. Um, and it's designed to feel that way. And it's pretty powerful. The amount of quiet, um, we've been able to carve out for our fellow New Yorkers. And it's been amazing to watch the response to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this space that we're in, uh, those of you watching, obviously on Instagram (laughs) live, see it now. And then this will live on Facebook live, the video of this, but this room we're in, in particular, I think I saw it on your site or your Instagram. It's like, the homepage I, of our site. Yeah, I was like, I want to go to that room, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I even I even posted like a, a stolen picture of it on my Instagram. I was like, I'm heading here, you know, yeah. just to, the lighting's just great. And it, and it's incredibly quiet too, which is crazy. Yeah. I guess because it's, it's like in the interior of yeah, the Yeah, so we're building. in a townhouse. We're in the technically the basement of a townhouse, which I know you also work in fashion. And so this was the original Patricia Field location in the 70s. Are you serious? It, yes. That's so crazy. it's had good vibes for, for Dude, a very long this time. Is so weird because yesterday I recorded with Abby Galvin at uh, the yoga studio. It's a, a Katona yoga mm-hmm. studio on Bowery and Houston. She was like, I was like, wow, this is such a great space. She's like, yeah, this was Keith Richards off, um, loft <laughs> yeah. in the 70s. Like, God, I'm like ending up in the best juju yeah. spaces ever. Yeah. So this has been, I would say, a seat of consciousness for a long time. Liver and Cox, I think, worked the front desk. Someone told me that at Patricia Field. So we've wow. had, so it's been, and for meditation nerds who are listening to this, the address of the studio is 10 East 8th Street, which is 108. And if you pay attention to sort of Eastern traditions and Eastern philosophy, you'll know that 108 is very auspicious, very mystical number. It's also the number of beats on a mala. Um, it's the number of stitches on a baseball. And it's the number of years <laughs> wow. it took the Cubs to win the World Series. Just a little bit of bizarre serious? trivia. Yeah, about that's the number trippy. 108, but it's like this magical number. So that's the that's address trippy. of the studio we're in also. Yeah, my Kundalini teacher, Tage, back home, I don't know a lot about numerology and things mm-hmm. like that, but she's always talking about how this number or that mm-hmm. number and how they add up. And and they're meaningful and I I never get it I think because numbers are so confusing to me I, I, they're very confusing to me as well so to like, be quite honest I never remember which one's yeah. which I'm like god I hope my birthday is like a cool number I forget yeah. <laughs> so uh, something else I've noticed too with this sort of new I don't want to call it a trend because it's just like it's more of an awakening it's just like I think humanity is karmically ready to kind of go to the next level but something that's cool about the the stuff that I'm getting turned on to especially here in New York is that there's an emphasis on like aesthetics and branding. Mm-hmm. And even like in, in the health food industry, mm-hmm. that's also improved a lot over the years. Like yeah. I just, I remember years ago, like, I don't know, yoga studios and supplement companies and stuff. Like I was always turned off by the branding and like the websites and the photography and the logos and the colors and the fonts. I'm just like, my eye is just tuned a certain way, maybe from working in fashion for so long, just being a visually oriented person. And um, what I'm finding that's really cool is that it's just everything's very pleasant and it's very attractive. And I think that's, it's really smart to do that from a business standpoint, but it's also smart consciousness wise because it's very inviting. It doesn't like come off as too fringe and woo woo and weird. Like when you see your website, you're like, oh, this looks sick. It's like very high (laughs) end. There's like a tone of luxury to it, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's accessible. Whereas you might find like a fortune teller in Sedona's website is like still all eighties, like, you know, like (laughs) comic sans font. Aquarius. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so your average person sees that sort of Outward yeah, and it's facing. a barrier. It becomes a barrier to entry yeah, for them. Yeah, ex- exactly. They're like, "What? Yeah. The crystal lady with the you know yeah. spaceships on her site? Like, mm-hmm. I'm out." You know. So this is like, I don't know. It's just cool. I really like what you've done. So I just wanted to. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. So I'll say two things, which is that first I'll talk about the green wall and then I'll talk about the aesthetics because you talked about yeah. this wall, which is that when we first opened. Um, community members who would come through to practice with us would start taking their photos in front of this wall. And then the wall started making its way around social media and people started seeking out the wall. And I'd be like, this is genius because they're going to come in, they're going to want a picture of the wall and I'm going to like sneak attack them into meditation right. class, you know, right. like, so we're going to seduce them into practicing. You right. know, they, they think they're coming for the green wall for, you know, aesthetics or for be- for this type of beauty and what they're really going to get maybe is inner beauty. So the idea to make the space so beautiful, um, sort of the dirty little secret about mindful is we made it beautiful so that you want to be here every day. So you'd want to be practicing every day. So we're seducing you into consistency, which is the most important aspect of a meditation practice. If you want to experience the benefits, you absolutely have to be consistent. So 
I thought to myself, I want to practice in a place that's so beautiful that I want to be there every day. That was part of the accountability thing too. So that's, that's, that's really the main reason that we made the studio so beautiful um, and took a lot of care with the environment. That's yeah. really smart. And actually that brings me to one of the points that I wanted to cover with you is that issue of compliance. It's like, I find that being someone who's doing meditation now for a number of years, Vedic meditation, which I'd like to talk about because we, before we started we recording, that. Yeah, we both <laughs> practice that. Um, I don't know, for some reason, when I started that particular type of meditation, it just stuck and it just became an automatic thing. Now, mm -hmm. I lasted the twice a day for like the first year and a half, maybe two years. Mm -hmm. It was just six o'clock every day. I just, mm -hmm. yep, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to yeah. meditate. Now, I'm like 50% of the time mm -hmm. at best doing the evening one. Morning time, probably 85%, depending yeah. on if I wake up late and run to yoga or something. Mm -hmm. But I find... Other people that don't have like a set tradition do have a really hard time with compliance. And it's this thing where, oh, I don't have time. How do I fit it into my life? So what recommendations do you have for someone who has a hard time kind of making it a priority or habituating the practice of meditation? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is that there's so much information available to us out there on the internet. So people are trying to learn on their computers or, you know, they're like, oh, I think this is the right thing for me. I think this is the right thing for me. And maybe they end up learning something that's not even from a practice or a tradition that's been around for, you know, a th thousand plus years. So I think really identifying a meditation tradition that is rooted and time tested is, is probably the first thing. And then identifying identifying a living, breathing teacher. So apps are great, especially if you don't have access to a studio like ours or living teachers. But I think that like special human to human transmission that happens, that someone sort of instructed you or gave you your mantra, or you went through a course and committed to it is more likely to help the practice like take hold and stick. But then of course there is our own sort of accountability around that, our own discipline. And I find that the best incentive to keep practicing is witnessing the benefits firsthand yourself. So it's a bit like going to the gym where you wouldn't go to the gym once and expect to live a hundred pounds and to walk out a hundred pounds lighter and be like, wow, that was one visit to the gym, right? The first time you go to the gym, maybe you struggle to lift at the heavier weight and maybe you feel sore the next day. And it's actually quite unpleasant at first to sort of commit to something like that. But the more you go, the stronger you get, the more you see results. So meditation is similar. That consistency is, is challenging, but the best sort of incentive is to just start and see how it begins to change. And you also have to make it a priority and carve out time. And we have so many competing priorities in our life. I think the idea that somehow doing nothing would be a priority is, is sort of mind blowing to most of us. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that well said. Yeah. It's like, so the most important thing I have to do today is sit for 20 minutes and do absolutely nothing <laughs> right. except very gently with as little exertion as possible, yeah. silently repeat this sound, which we call a mantra, right, in sure. the very recesses of my mind. You yeah, know? yeah. It's as close to doing nothing as you can get. It's so close. And, and honestly, it's hard. And even I know, so I've been super consistent. So the studio did for me exactly what it needed to do because I met a slew of teachers and ultimately met Emily Fletcher, who you also know, who gave me my mantra and it was the right fit for me. And I've been super consistent, but let's just be clear. Like there are absolutely afternoons where I'm like, wait, I just got to send 35 more emails yeah, <laughs> before exactly, I sit. Exactly. And then before I know it, I'm sitting at 6.30 when my body would have much preferred if I sat at four o'clock. Yeah. Um, and so it's a practice every day. It takes practice. And even sort of being loving and kind and compassionate and gentle with yourself if you're not if you can't make it to the cushion that that's that's part of the practice too right is not like oh I'm such a bad meditator and like I didn't do it today right but being like wow okay so this is how I feel when I don't practice in the afternoon and I want to remember what this feels like so I'll think about practicing tomorrow and I'm just gonna be kind to it it's okay Okay yeah, that you, that you yeah. I, I have to do that with myself a lot yeah. because I set really high standards for myself and it's sort of like I mean, I don't know, just with any habit you're trying to build that's positive, you're trying to integrate that into your life, or a negative habit that's more destructive that you're trying to break, you're right that the self-compassion piece is so important. Crucial. It's like my ego will get me to think that something else is more important than meditation, and then I miss my afternoon time slot. And then that same ego, like, <laughs> does a U-turn back course, on my ass? And yes. It's like, you loser, <laughs> uh -huh. you didn't meditate. Right. It's like, it's double jeopardy, right. you know? Exactly. It totally sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to talk about, obviously, you know, the benefits that you find or just, you know, mm -hmm. the experience that you find of people that walk into the practice here. Yeah. But did you find, because this was my experience, that when you started a regular practice of meditation, that it brought up a lot of negativity in terms of emotions? 
that sort of off gassing of stresses. Yeah. Did you experience that or were you just like Miss Bliss from the No, the I certainly wasn't Miss Bliss. I think the what it brought I think the sort of stop start of learning how to be consistent was the thing I remember most. Mostly because I had spent a considerable amount of time before I started practicing Vedic meditation um, in particular doing a lot of that unstressing, you know, so that time that I, that I talked about where I was not at my film desk, but in spiritual pursuit, that was like just constant peeling away of the layer. So I had about 10 years of unstressing just anytime. I think you look at yourself and you're willing to go deep, um, and explore the parts of yourself that maybe you don't have access to when you're responding to hundred emails and on the phone and doing your job. And when you really sit with yourself and look at really who you are, right. Take the time to get to know yourself. There'll be all sorts of things that come up. So I think by the time I was practicing, I, you know, there's always more gunk to clean out, but I felt like I'd gotten a really good chunk of it. Um, yeah, it, so wasn't that, it wasn't that jarring. It wasn't as yeah. jarring. It doesn't mean I haven't seen it come up. And it also doesn't mean that when I don't practice, like I, I think there was maybe like a couple days where I missed an afternoon meditation, maybe like two days in a row and I could feel it by the third day. Like I felt sluggish and I was like, falling asleep talking to people by five o'clock. And I was like, that's because I missed the last two. So, and it brought up exhaustion, you know, so, which is usually what it helps with, at least the pra- the style we practice, which is deep, deep, deep relaxation for your body. So you're a less tired human overall. On the topic of negativity coming up, yeah. you had done some work prior to starting your current practice mm-hmm. of meditation. So it wasn't like a big shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings me to another point though, and that is spiritual bypass. Oh Yeah. And this is, <laughs> for those of you listening, like this is when you just become spiritual and it's unicorns and rainbows and you're just blissed out all the time yeah. and you never like dug into your childhood trauma or your yeah. character defects or that dark side that we all, you know, are prone to have. Sure. And it's something I sort of notice with a lot of younger people mm. and like what I call like the Instagram meditators. Mm. And it's really, it's great because there's this this trend, it's like really cool to be into spirituality and crystals and yoga and meditation and stuff. And I'm very grateful that it is a trend. But I also observe sometimes that a lot of people are skipping the process, which is like the many, I used to think it was one dark night of the soul because I had a big one when I first got sober. I mean, like I had the one, you know, which was just hitting rock bottom and then sort of being resurrected. I thought at the time that was going to be the one <laughs> and now there's one every couple of years, right. you know, cause I sort of ferret out mm-hmm. other issues that I have, other patterns, you know, negative patterns and areas in which I'm stuck. And I think that a lot of people have a viewpoint of meditation and spirituality that once you start on this journey that you're just blissed out and everything's, you know, love and peace and namaste and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking at them like, just wait, <laughs> you know? So yeah. So this idea of so, like a spiritual breakthrough is what yeah. you're talking about. And then you're like all rainbows and unicorns, right? Yeah. So I think these like, even saying like, I've had a spiritual breakthrough and while, you know, ta-da, this is me. And it's like, I have spiritual breakthroughs all day long, every day. I'm looking at myself and thinking about my own emotions and my own relationships to myself, to other human beings, what that means in the larger context of society. So, and there, every day there's opportunity for growth and introspection and discomfort. Yesterday, for example, I gave a talk at Soho House and I was kind of beating myself up after the talk, being like, oh, you you missed like these three things. You could have blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm really like feeling a lot of like self-hatred right now and just kind of being like, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. I'm like, oh, this feeling in my chest. Like, And the truth is, is probably half the audience would have never expected me to feel that way. But I called Lodro, my co-founder, and I was like, dude, I was like, I'm feeling these super intense levels of like self-hatred, you know? And yeah. not like, oh my God, Ellie, you're the worst. But this like, these aspects of myself, the dark side of perfectionism, let's say, coming up, you know, where, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just like gonna sit with this. I'm like, talk it out with like a dear friend. I'm going to sit with this feeling and it will pass. And honest to God, two hours later, it passed. And it wasn't because it's all rainbows because I sat there and I held it and I became aware of it and I talked to it and exactly. allowed it to to show its face to me. And I, I, I kind of said to myself, like, it's, it's just, it's okay. It goes back to that self-compassion thing. You know, it's not about getting an A every time. It's not about doing this. And so that's a good example of like not spiritually bypassing something. Right. Even if you're just like, whatever, it's fine. I gave a talk. It's fine. You know. I don't know. So, yeah, I think does that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Okay. That's a that's a great answer, and that's my experience too. It's been said the fastest way 
past something is to go through it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the very premise of spiritual bypass is like, oh, I'm not looking in there. I'm not looking at that yeah. area where I'm still jealous or self-critical or resentful or angry or envious or whatever. You know, those sort of like the more negative human emotions or states of being. There's there, no shortcuts. There's no getting around that. Yeah. Shit. I think that's <laughs> the thing is like I want to convey to people is like the spiritual path for me is the gnarliest path possible I sometimes agree. because it's like. I can't run from the awareness that I've built. Yeah. So if I'm, it's just like when I showed up today and I didn't have my little cable and I'm like, God damn it. I mean, for a second I was like, oh, she's going to think I suck and that I'm incompetent and unprofessional and don't know what I'm doing. And it was just, I noticed I had an awareness exactly. of that sort of thought and feeling. And then I'm like, no, I'm not going with that. This is just is what it is. I guess we were meant to have a 30 minute recording instead of an hour <laughs> one. Sometimes they go two and a half hours. Yeah. So maybe the audience will appreciate a concise one. Yeah. But it's like, I have to be able to have an awareness and acknowledge some of those negative thought patterns and feelings in order to move past them. So maybe I've had a thousand times where I felt stupid for a minute and I energize it and, and spiraled out and yeah. like spun out for the, all the rest of the day. Like, oh, she probably thinks I'm lame and I'm thinking about it. I can pretty much guarantee when I leave here today, I'm going to feel very good about what happened. I won't care about the stupid cable. <laughs> right. But that's because I've had a thousand times of like spinning out about of course. choking on something. Totally. You know like I mean? Exactly. Like it lasted yesterday for me an hour and a half or something or two hours. And I was right. like, okay, great. Like this passes, you know, whereas yeah. I would have lost sleep over it. I didn't even think about it by the time I went to sleep last night. Right. And that, so I think it's just, I think life is hard and we all face all different challenges and um, we're all going through stuff on the inside and... And the more honest we can be with ourselves about that experience, the more open-hearted we can show up for ourselves and for other humans in the world. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely love cleaning out the gunk. So when you, know. you when you come across something in your life that's very challenging, like um, I know you just got engaged. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank, you. Um, Thank you. I had a recent breakup that was mm -hmm. very painful on a number of levels. Um, when someone dies or someone you love gets sick or someone gets hit by a car or someone loses their job, like what are the first things you do when something really painful or challenging happens? Oh, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. Um, like what's your like, yeah. you know, first aid, spiritual first aid kit when yeah. like the shit just suddenly hits the fan? So, um, you know, I lost my mom when I was 19 and that if, if we we're really talking about like the origin of my adult spirituality. Yes, it was going through Dr. Frank Lippman's office, but a lot of the stuff that was coming up and out was related to that. Um, and I remember also that I want to say that when I was a couple years into practicing Vedic meditation, I went through this like stage of what I thought was apathy, you know, or it's not the spiritual bypassing exactly, but it's like, whatever, we're all going to die. Like, it's fine. You know, like this yeah. is life impermanence. Like, you know, it was like, it was, <laughs> yeah. I went through this space and I, I remember exactly like knocking about. on my head being like, hello, is anyone, is any, hello heart. Are you there? Like, are yeah. you, are you open? Are you there? Yeah. And it was, and, and I've talked to a lot of meditators who've had a similar experience to get to this point where they're just kind of in their practice and, and they feel not numb. And I think even Dan Harris actually talks about it in 10% happier, the sen similar sensation. Um, and a, I feel really grateful that you, I moved through that piece, but B, when it comes to extreme loss, I think my meditation practice just allows me to feel all the things I'm feeling, right? So not try to dampen it, not necessarily try to like go into a immediate action, which I think is probably would be my default. Like, how can I fix? How can I help? What's the first aid? Like, let's, but rather just like sit and feel uh, the sheer humanity of a broken heart, right? Like all of the intense emotions and what it feels like to be a living, breathing, loving human being. And I think a lot of us are maybe afraid to feel those things. Um, and we just yeah. kind of want to like turn it, turn it yeah. off or turn it down. Every bar drug dealer, um, <laughs> you know, pharmaceutical <laughs> company are like all built on the premise of avoiding that, of avoiding you know? that sensation. Yeah. And yeah, totally. I'm just like, come and annihilate me. Like my first yeah. line of defense is no defense at all. Right. So oh, that's great. Great. Just complete and total surrender because yeah. whatever is occurring in some ways is beyond my, and when I say beyond my consciousness, it's a, it's a force so much greater than just myself. So a concept like death or illness, or, I mean, that is just so m massive and huge and, um, 
Yeah, that it's just, I, I don't really stand a chance, so I don't try to fight it. I just yeah. kind of let so it your, happen. So your spiritual first aid kit is surrender. Surrender, yeah. yeah. I I'm absolutely agree. That's great. I was I was, <laughs> I was like kind of expecting you to be like, oh, there's this one breathing exercise or this or that. And it's no. like, you know what? Just take me. It's like you yeah. let that wave sort of wash over. One of my favorite teachers has a great saying, true control comes from doing nothing. And that's because, you know, when we are adrenalized or we're in fight or flight mode, we want to act out in all these different ways whether it's running away or fighting it, whatever it is that we're feeling. And sometimes if you just do absolutely nothing in that moment, you begin to feel empowered instead of powerless because you're just kind of like, all right, I'm letting it just wash over me and that's kind of all that's I can awesome. do. That's very yeah. powerful. Yeah. So it takes uh, it takes an immense amount of courage to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, I know yeah. from personal experience. It's Same. Like, <laughs> you know, because that's intuitively everything in you is trying to resist pain. I mean, yeah. that's like, hitting yourself in the knee with a hammer and you're like, oh, the way to stop doing that is to hit it five more times. It's like, who does that? Mm-hmm. You know, but to really like embrace that pain and discomfort and just allow it to wash over you. I remember yeah. years ago having a relationship end and it was just heartbreaking and I would be actually meditating. I, I remember this like it was yesterday and I had this house in the Hollywood Hills. I had this beautiful view and I'd be sitting there and I'd be trying to meditate and these waves of pain, you know, from oh. losing that attachment would come over totally. me. Totally. <laughs> It was just like like a tidal wave would just come mm-hmm. out of the blue because of a you know a memory of a vacation we took together. Just you know how your mind yeah. does that to you, you know, in those situations. And that's when I first started to practice that. I just thought, okay, is this going to kill me to like have a feeling? Because I spent the better part of my life running away from mm-hmm. feelings, like yeah. a freaking Olympic track runner, just as fast as humanly possible. Don't feel anything, you know. And so uh, I started to do that. And I found too that that is like the most profound way to actually get through something faster and have the ability to learn from it too. You know, that's the thing because you're so present with that. You're able to sort of decode the pattern that perhaps caused that situation to unravel in a way that was painful. I know we have to go, but I also want to say that asking for help is also a really important piece of the equation. Oh, thank you. um, When it comes to... It's 315 right now, by the way. Okay, thanks. So we're going to do it for one more minute because I think asking for help is kind of like crucial. It really does take a village. And I think when you're going through something and you might not be able, like I called Lodro yesterday when I was experiencing those emotions and I was just like, hey, can you help me out for a second? And granted, like Lodro's written like seven books on meditation mindfulness. I was calling like a true expert. But, But that idea that, you know, if you are going through something like that and you are experiencing something like that and you do feel like you can talk to someone about it or just reach out to a friend or someone who is a professional and just say like hey I'm I'm experiencing this like hey can you help me out is also really powerful because it's oh hard to God. get through some stuff I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that so up so sorry I just wanted to sneak that no, in at the end because so, I think it's crucial that is, for because, existence because yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> almost irresponsible to, to suggest to the listeners yeah when you're in like acute emotional pain just chill just <laughs> hang out right definitely I agree I have probably four or five people that I call Jeff yeah. Cobra my meditation teacher being one of them. And I find the usefulness in that and the power in that is having someone that has a totally objective point of view and can like tell me, Luke, the stuff that's coming out of your mind right now is absolutely bullshit. Like the thoughts that you're thinking are real or not real. Mm -hmm. Here's why. (laughs) And they're able to like kind of take me across the room to look at myself and go, yeah, oh my God, I'm totally in illusion right now. Yeah. So thank you for um, adding that piece in. It's definitely like, (laughs) like, yeah, it adds a little bit like it's a... um, I don't know, a safety net there. Yeah, and it also just doesn't make sure, like talk about spiritual bypassing, that I'm just doing this all alone, not asking for help, you know? It's like, like, no, there's a lot of humans who are supporting me every day that I can reach out to if I'm, you know, struggling. Yeah, and sometimes too, I think just, for me, the humility, just applying the humility to know, like, I can't beat this alone. This is yeah. not something I'm going to figure out with the intellect, which is such a limited resource totally. to just like, all right, I give up. I surrender. I need help. Powerful. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, three part question, who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might recommend to our listeners? Mm. Could be a book, a philosophy, a person, anything. I have to start with my main man, Lojo Rinsler. Um, He's taught me so much and Mindful wouldn't exist without him. And I've learned so much. It's one of, he, it's really one of the most satisfying uh, relationships I've ever had in my life. And it's one that's a a professional relationship and a platonic relationship. And I've learned so much about myself through him. So I'm very grateful for him and his existence. I would say another, one of my greatest teachers is my fiance, you know, 
being in a committed relationship is a lot of work and it's very easy to do the hard work with him. So he's a daily teacher. You know, that's not one that everyone can access, yeah, but yeah. you certainly can access. We can't put him in the show no, notes. <laughs> sure. But, um, but you can think about that with your own partners or your friends or family yeah. members, you know, who help you and teach you. And then I would say kind of a controversial one, but it's a book I really love and it comes to mind. And I always, as, as someone who considers herself a feminist, you know, this isn't a book that would appeal to that audience whatsoever. So it's a little bit controversial, but I truly love this book written by David Data called The Way of the Superior oh, Man. love it. I mean, it's just yeah. like so good. And it's not, you know, if you can read it with the gaze of male and female energy rather than a physical male and a physical female, I, totally. think, I think there's a lot of pretty wonderful, exciting knowledge in there. Amazing. So, I got that book yeah. ages ago on audio and, uh, and the actual book and have used it as a basis for a lot of uh, the good parts of my relationships that yeah. have worked. In fact, I interviewed a guy named John Wineland the other day, who's one of his kind of main disciples. And he very clearly stated in the interview that it's really not about it because it could be a same sex relationship. It totally. And you still have that same play of masculine and, and feminine. feminine. Yeah, polarity. like the, exactly like the, the qualities of those energies and how they interact with one another. So um, I, I just, I absolutely love that book and it's probably wildly unscientific, but that doesn't yeah. change the fact that it resonated with me. So. Well, you're happy. Happily engaged. You have a nice yeah. ring on your finger, so you must have figured something out. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Every day I'm learning. Every day I'm learning. That's cool. All yeah. right. Well, um, lastly, where can we find your social media, websites, yeah, et cetera? Yeah. So um, at Mindful Meditation, I'm at Ellie Burroughs on Instagram. And then I think that's pretty much it. Cool. All right. We'll put all of that yeah. in the show notes, everything cool. you recommended. Uh, if you want the show notes, listeners, you know, you go to lukestory.com, sign up for my newsletter. It's on the homepage. It says, Join the Evolution. We're going to send you all these links. So thank you so much for joining me thank today. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming back delight. to the city and seeing you again. Same. <laughs> all right. Bye. And once again, we come to that bittersweet moment when we must end the episode. I had a great time sitting down with Ellie over at Mindful. Great space, great woman. I felt I had a lot in common with her. We sort of have a really similar approach to spirituality and meditation and all that. And what I really like about her version of that is that it's not too far out and spacey and woo-woo. It's pragmatic. That's what I like. That's my kind of spirituality. It's just down to earth, real shit. You can apply to your life. It works. And I really like her techniques for getting through tough times because I have found that that is really the only thing that works for me. So I learned a lot from her and I also just had a lot of things sort of reaffirmed. That's like, oh yeah, cool. I'm on the right path. I'm not the only one doing things this way. It's working for her. And also I just really appreciate her contribution to the city of New York and to the world in general. You know, I mean, we need more conscious businesses like Mindful. That's why I'm always so happy to help promote and support people like Ellie and what they're doing. Because I mean, just me personally, if I go to a city like New York, which is challenging for me on a lot of levels just because I'm a country boy, man. I grew up in the sticks. Like going to New York City is, it's intense. It's like sensory overload to the nervous system. But a place like Mindful is dope because you can like drop in and go to a completely, you know, a beautiful space that's totally silent. And there's all these other conscious people that are in there bettering themselves and, you know, working with their own spirituality, which is just amazing. So kudos to Ellie, kudos to Mindful. And more than anything, Kudos to you because you're sitting here listening to the Lifestylist podcast and, of course, sharing this episode with friends and helping to get this information out into the world. As I said in the intro, uh, do us all a favor. Follow me on Instagram. Let's hang out. I'll follow you back if you're doing something rad or you're not too crazy and inappropriate. Actually, no. Then if you're crazy and inappropriate, I will follow you. But what I will do no matter what is I'll interact with you. Shoot me a DM. Let's hang out. Let's be friends. I'm doing some really fun stuff over there, and I love to see what all you guys are doing, too. All my crazy biohacker bros out there and all my meditation and yoga girls. It's fun to see what uh, what you people look like that are actually on the other end. Because when I sit here and do these recordings, I'm going to start putting these on Instagram Live, actually. Actually, I thought of that today. I'm going to do that. It's just like me sitting in my damn office by myself talking to a fucking computer screen. It's like the weirdest thing. But then I get feedback and I know that my voice and the messages that I'm bringing forth are actually connecting to people. But it's still kind of weird because there's no interaction. But over on Instagram, 
I actually get to see you and your life, which is really fun for me. You get to see and hear my life from listening to the show, but I don't really get it the other way. And on Instagram, I do. So follow me over there, at Luke Story. Don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for number 88 with Nate Martinez. It's all about the healing power of sound and music. Until then, be well. Before we wrap this up, I've got an exciting little secret announcement for you. I'm about to launch my new 90-day lifestyle design coaching system where you, the listener, have the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. All you have to do is go to lukestory.com forward slash coaching to apply for a free 15-minute assessment call with me. We're going to jump on the phone, see if it's a good fit. I'm going to explain the program to you and talk about how we can upgrade your life, okay? This program's awesome. It's based on my 20 years of subjective experience in the fields of health and personal development. Like, everything I've got goes into this 90-day program. So I'm gonna guide you through my proven system of revolutionary mental, physical, and emotional transformation. It kind of depends on what we need to work on first. So you're gonna take an immersive deep dive into my nature-based approach to personal optimization. You're going to get a really clear and straightforward understanding of these sometimes complicated issues, you know, meditation and mindset, diet, smart drugs, nootropics, proper drinking water in your home, EMFs, alternative healing technologies, vitamin and herbal supplementation, all the things that we talk about on the show that I've been working with for a long time. Those are all the things that go into the program. So what's going to happen here is through an application of all this knowledge in all these different areas, we're going to map out a blueprint for creating a healthy living environment inside your home, as well as a very realistic, practical approach to spirituality that you can carry out into your relationships and your career and into your future. And the coaching sessions are done remotely via Skype, so you can do them from anywhere in the world. If you live in LA, there's a possibility of doing it in person. Kind of depends on timing and where you live. But here's the deal. Program's brand new, but space is very limited. I've only got really room for like five clients per month. That's what I figured is my max at this point, so I can still have a life. So again, to apply for a free 15-minute phone consultation with yours truly, go to www.lukestory.com forward slash coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to go to earthrunners.com and use the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your minimal footwear. What's even cooler is they now have some custom wool tabby socks that allow you to wear the Earthrunners in colder weather. Really cool. earthrunners.com, LUKE10.